Good afternoon, everyone. It is wonderful to see you here as we celebrate the life of Grant Michael DeArmond. Grant was a good friend, and I am going to enjoy just remembering him today. We are having a wonderful meal for you after, uh, after this service. Everyone is invited to go just over to the gym right over here. And uh, just outside the door, there's some ladies there with some envelopes and some cards. And if you'd like to write a memory that you have of Grant uh, during the time when you greet the family out there, um, like maybe during the meal, maybe you could write a little memory about Grant or something you appreciated about him, uh, that would be super. Then you could just give that. I think there would be a basket. You can drop, drop it in. But uh, we'd like for you to do that if you possibly could. We'd really appreciate that. But I'd like to welcome you today to uh, this memorial celebration of uh, really as we celebrate the abundant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in the life of, of Grant the Armin. Um, thank you for coming. As you, uh, your presence here means uh, to me, and I think it means the family, that you respected Grant, and as well as you want to honor his memory and also you love his family, you want to come and support them as well. So I was Grant, Grant's pastor for seven years, and uh, our relationship just kind of grew every year. It was really neat. And uh, here the last, I'd say the last year especially, he and I got fairly close as, uh, as much as uh, a pastor and a guy can get like Grant, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Uh, this celebration is important in a couple ways, too. We want to remember Grant's life uh, today, the uh, kind of man he was. Uh, you know, because a person's life really matters, doesn't it? A person's life does matter. Uh, Jesus made it perfectly clear that it matters. Uh, he taught us that because God is so special, because the Lord is so special, the Lord takes an extra effort to find us. Uh, in our lostness, in our spiritual lostness. He finds us and transforms us, wants to transform us from darkness to light by his loving kindness. And uh, that's what makes us special. Is, uh, it's not because we're special in our own selves. It's because we're special because he is. He's special. And uh, that kind of keeps our pride in check, doesn't it? Uh, what, uh, we, we love him. The Bible says we only love God because he first loved us and provided a way of salvation for us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Grant was unique and a special individual to us and to God. And his departure has already left an empty place in our lives. I must tell you, I miss Grant DeArmond. I miss him. The second reason why it's good for us to be here today is not just to remember Grant, but also we need to hear the wisdom and direction from, uh, for our lives from our Creator. This is a time when we can, we, have, uh, we can think about God. We can think about Jesus. You know, throughout Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, he asked the disciples many times, Who do you think I am? <laughs> and uh, he was uh, hoping to get a good answer from them. And uh, who do you think I am? That is really an important question, the most crucial question question that faces each one of us. Uh, who do you think Jesus is? It faced Grant as well. And so we need to hear from God today because in the end, memorials, memorials are not for the dead, but they're for the living. Amen. They're for the living and only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you today that as we uh, come together for this special time of remembering Grant, Lord, you, you knew Grant from, uh, from the top to the bottom. You knew him from the beginning to the ending. 
And Lord, that gives us great comfort for we know that you are a compassionate and a merciful God. And we know that, Lord, that Grant is in your loving and special care. Lord, you know, you knew his needs, you knew his capabilities. And Father, we know that you are good and righteous and loving God and that you will always do the right thing. We pray the Lord today as we, uh, as we celebrate his life, as we remember it, and as we also celebrate Jesus, that you will just move in a special way. You'll speak to our hearts in a special way that remind us of the importance of you and the importance of our lives uh, being focused and centered upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song together. I believe uh, Jacob's going to lead us a song, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And if you'd like to follow along with the words, it's on page 44 of the hymnal. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faith Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by that endureth thy 
presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. God says in Psalm 46.1 that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 to 23, Jeremiah writes, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Matthew 11.28 to 30, Matthew writes, about Jesus, Jesus saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my soul is my, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In John fourteen, one to six, Jesus goes on, and he says, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, well then believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Well, God's Word has a way of speaking to our needs and directly to our hearts. I hope this has spoken to your heart as well. We're going to be singing or hearing a number of songs that were Grant's favorite and uh, as we remember Grant. And I hope that it will just remind you of him as well as bless you for how the Lord loved Grant, how he loves you.
There's one thing about Grant. He could really grow a beard, couldn't he? Wow. I, I tell you, that guy, I think those pictures you saw, that was overnight growth, I think. <laughs> he could really grow hair. Amazing. <laughs> uh, Grant was born on Tuesday, June 18th, 1985. And he died on Thursday, March 17th, 2022, God providing him with 36 years. He really enjoyed enjoyed playing basketball. In fact, Grant used to ask me, uh, he said, Pastor, would you mind unlocking the church for me? I'll give you a call, and if you would. I said, sure, Grant, I'll unlock the church for you. So he said, I want to shoot some hoops and exercise and get back in shape, you know. And... uh, so he'd be down here, and, I, and uh, I'd see him huffing and puffing down here and trying to get in shape. But uh, he loved to play basketball. He also had uh, some artistic uh, skills in his heart. He enjoyed writing poetry and appreciated cinema and also movies. And he at times would test my knowledge against his uh, with movies, and I always failed miserably. He'd say, Pastor, have you ever seen this? Watch this. No, no, I haven't. In fact, he also used some uh, hobbies... Uh, he, I should say he enjoyed these hobbies such as collecting arrowheads and coins and stamps and watches. And I tell you one thing that Grant did very well was to research items that were important to him. Have you ever talked to him? I'm sure you've talked to him. My goodness. He just would research something before he decided to buy it. And his watch was very special because he showed me his watch many times. And this was an amazing watch. And it was so amazing that sometimes he would compare his with mine. And mine is a Timex, that is, I bought at Walmart, you know. And uh, he, would see my, he would look at mine and he said, he'd say something like, that's nice, Pastor. <laughs> that's nice, Pastor. Almost kind of like he was, uh, you know, patting me on the back. <laughs> or on the head, maybe, you know. But said, that's nice, Pastor, if you got that nice Timex there. But um, he had some out. Uh, he, I remember one time uh, he uh, had some, he told me he was going to buy some uh, outstanding sound equipment. And uh, he had plans on purchasing a very expensive microphone that he could uh, record himself singing. So he showed me the microphone and everything, and I thought, that is a, that's a beauty, uh, Grant. And, uh, but I don't know if he ever got that purchased or not. Grant would frequently share about his family, and his eyes, I tell you, this is the truth, they would uh, suddenly start twinkling, and he'd begin going down the list of all his family members, naming them, just, just naming them. And uh, he particularly seemed to enjoy talking about his brothers and sisters, kind of as if to say, I'm really proud to have a family, Pastor, and I'm proud to be a part of my family. <laughs> Grant was, uh, he's very faithful at attending church on Sunday mornings and uh, Wednesdays, and he would oftentimes speak up during midweek service uh, during our Bible study with really some good questions. He'd have some good questions, and frequently he also would give a good answer to some, uh, to some difficult question. And when we had opportunity, he would always, if we had like a hymn, uh, pick, pick a song or something, he would always pick a hymn, one of the old gospel songs out of that hymn book that we just, that we just uh, sung from just a little while ago. Now, I very much enjoyed Grant's friendship. He, uh, I could tell how frustrated he would get sometimes when his medications made it extremely difficult for him to pronounce words. He just couldn't come out and... And you just, you'd wait, you'd wait and just let him talk. You know, you, you wouldn't get impatient. I never saw anybody ever get impatient with Grant as he was trying to get his words out because of this, some indication that he was on. And uh, 
I think it was really good for him because he saw that not only in his family, but also his church family, that Grant, it's okay. We got time. Just take your time and tell us what you're thinking about. It was, uh, and he just seemed to find peace and confidence in that. After uh, Grant moved to Fort Wayne, he would call me and check on folks here at Mount Hope, and then he also would share the latest joke he had heard on, heard on the radio. Someone had, uh, you know, someone has rightly said that the world should be a better place because a person has lived. I think uh, even though, although Grant was very frustrated at times because of his limitations, you know, we all miss Grant. And I have to say that my world is better because Grant lived. My life was blessed by Grant B. Armand. And I think you'll probably say that as well, that your life was blessed and encouraged as well by Grant. Amen? Amen. We're going to listen to another song that was one of his favorites and just remind us of him.
Well, um, the family asked me to come up here and just cry for 10 minutes, so <laughs> i proceed to do that. Um, uh, they asked me to just share some um, memories uh, with you, just uh, with Grant, and uh, I will say one thing about Grant. He knew how to make memories. Man, uh, we just, we were a great, we were a great combo. Uh, he was able to come up with the most you know, crazy ideas, and I was crazy enough to do said ideas. Uh, so we just, we, uh, we made mem lots of memories together. You know, whether it was, uh, you know, his idea to, to go out on the roof when we were grounded to the upstairs, you know, because we weren't, um, we never, we never listened, is that fair? I don't know, we probably, maybe we listened sometimes, I don't remember if we ever did. Uh, but uh, we were grounded to the upstairs and we decided, because we were kids, it'd be a good idea to go on the roof. So we were on the roof together, Grant, Ashley, and I. And Grant decided it'd be a good idea for me to jump off of said roof. <laughs> and I, of course, said, Grant, I will, you know, if you do, I mean, you know. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. But uh, I, I jumped off of the roof, uh, barefoot, onto some concrete. Uh, man, wow. It's surprising we even survived us sometimes. And I did my very, very best to pretend I wasn't hurt at all. Uh, but he was not buying it. So uh, he and Ashley climbed back in the window. And <laughs> I was outside, of course, on what I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he did. He he attested that he said maybe while I was in the air. I didn't hear it because I was falling <laughs> to what I thought was my death. And uh, so I walked in the front door. You know, after having supposed to have been upstairs, we only have one way upstairs. You know, and uh, I think Dad has been recovering from back surgery at the time and and wasn't in his uh, full capacities. And we just waved at each other, and I went back upstairs. You know. <laughs> Perfectly normal kid, and and uh, later I was taken to the emergency room to find out that I had three broken toes, and <laughs> I missed my final year of uh, you know little league, and, and there were my major league baseball dreams. So uh, you know there were so many so many things that, that Grant and I, uh, and even seeing this guy here today, that man we were just like the uh, terrible trio. Man, we got in a had so much fun together, and I mean, there was no limit of crazy ideas that he came up with that I was willing to execute. You know, he said, Mick, hey, Dad's got some carving knives in the back of his uh, LeSabre. He said, why don't you threaten the kid next door? And I said, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so I said, I grabbed said carving knife. It was, I mean, they were, it was like 13 inches, and I was like, hey, you know, if, if you come in our yard, I'm going to cut you. I, I'd never threatened anyone before, nor since. And he ran off and cried, and it was funny. We had a laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Until they came <laughs> to the house uh, while we were still there. <laughs> and we were not laughing anymore. So uh, it did result in some punishment sometimes. But, uh, you know, um, I will cherish every memory I've had with him. Um, it's, it's easy to look back and just... Um, even times when... You know, he was just giving you a hard time. Uh, it, look, you can look back on those with fondness now. And uh, he did. Um, of all the things that uh, he was, um, 
He really was a giver uh, so much. I mean, he could give you a hard time, uh, but he would give you a great hug. And uh, he, he knew how to give very good gifts. Um, that was definitely his love language. Um, you know, I can um, almost go over a lot of the things that, you know, he, he was always excited at Christmas time and would talk about what he could get for the kids. He loved his nieces and nephews. Um, and how he could, that's just how he expressed um, himself for other people. And he could always just, um, kind of like Pastor said, that sparkle on his eye when he, when, uh, you know, he got you something. And, and uh, we could talk about the same things. And um, it was really uh, a special uh, thing to share with him, just uh, how he showed his love. And uh, also how, you know, you could show him you loved him too as well. And, and getting him something, he just really... Uh, Really was a special person, and I'm just so thankful for for him in my life. Um, when I came to Burn, Indiana, I was a uh, you know I was a spoiled, rotten, only child who lived with his grandparents who got whatever he wanted. I, I mean, I really was. I mean, I, I look back and I think that was my trajectory. You know, just to be a selfish, selfish person, and uh, I know that. Um, Sometimes Grant was frustrated because he thought, you know, he aspired to better, more things. And, um, sorry. But I know as Christians, our ultimate goal is just, um, like the hymn says, to be used of God. And I know that, I know that he was. Because I know he used, um, I know he used great in my life and in others' lives to um, temper the things that make Christians um, more Christ-like, whether it be uh, patience <laughs> or endurance, or whether it just be to show how to give. Um, and I'm really thankful for those things that he has shown me, and uh, I hope I can continue to carry those things that he's helped teach me in my life um, and in yours as well thank you our God is an awesome God he reigns from heaven above with wisdom power and love our God is an awesome God our God is an awesome God he reigns from heaven above with wisdom power and love our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. If I had only known last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I had to do I would have stayed a little longer held on a little tighter 
Now what I'd give for one more day with you Cause there's a wound here in my heart where something's missing And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time But I know you're in a place where all your wounds have been erased And knowing yours are healed is healing mine The only scars in heaven It won't belong to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken Scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you now I know the road you walked Was anything but easy You picked up your share of scars Along the way oh, But now you're standing in the sun You fought your fight and your races run The pain is all a million miles away The only scars in heaven That won't belong to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me That I don't see you You live on in all the better parts of me Until I'm standing with you in the sun I'll fight this fight and this race I'll run Until I finally see what you can see That the only scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you now
the risk we take in loving people is what we have to experience now. And when you love people, then there's just nothing but grief in our hearts when they're gone, isn't it? Very, very difficult. That's the price of, of love. The Apostle Paul, he had been released from prison, and he had heard that there were false teachers in the Ephesian church, and that they were causing some serious trouble. So he and his team went there to try to restore the purity of the gospel there in the church at Ephesus, and he left a young Timothy. He left a young Timothy there to continue restoring the church as he, uh, as he Paul, most likely went on and traveled to Spain in order to spread the gospel. Tradition says that uh, Timothy stayed in Ephesus as the pastor there until like A.D. 97. And uh, when he was 80 years old, um, there was a pagan parade taking place where they were praising the goddess Diana. And Timothy stepped out into the street, the road, to try to stop it and to try to preach the gospel. And he was beaten to death there. That was the end of uh, Timothy's uh, legacy there in Ephesus. First Timothy is Paul's instructions to Timothy about how to be a good pastor. Paul eventually returned from Spain and he came back to Ephesus where he was confronted by a pagan businessman by the name of Alexander. Paul was arrested, sent to Rome a second time, was condemned to be executed, and Paul wrote to Timothy a second time. We have the book of Second Timothy, as you well know. This book was trying to encourage Timothy in his pastoral work there in Ephesus to fan into flame the gifts that God had given him. And at the close of that, that book of Second Timothy, the second letter of Paul there to Timothy, he began sharing... Um, some emotions about his spiritual journey with, with Jesus and, and how much he needed Timothy to hurry and come to see him in Rome before he was executed. And what Paul wrote there in Second Timothy about his own spiritual journey in, um, in these few sentences is really true for every Christian. Every Christian, uh, Paul's words are really uh, for us. Um, he says this, they're, they're very familiar words. He says... Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, he said, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. He said, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Three things there. Three things that the Apostle Paul says are primary in any Christian's life. That if you want to make it to heaven, if you want to be faithful to God and have that confidence that you're going to make it there safely, that you're going to be welcomed by God, these three things that we have to do well or learn to do well, and that is this, that we must, we must fight the good fight. He says, I must finish the race and keep the faith. And Paul says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to everyone who has longed for his appearing. You know, those are really beautiful poetic words, and I, I love the way they just flow. But uh, describing the culmination of a person's uh, one spiritual journey in Jesus. But, but again, Paul gave us some very specific details and actions and qualities that every Christian can use as a guide to help them be sure that they finish well in Jesus Christ. 
When I was a boy, I used to hear the old-timers get up and talk about the, and I even read it in books, but the old-timers used to say that if we hope to die well someday, we had better live well now. If we expect to die well someday, we better start living well now. Paul said, first of all, that he was being poured out like a drink offering. That's, a, that's Jewish lingo. That's a, that's a lot of Jewish symbolism there. A drink offering goes back to the Jewish practice in the Old Testament, the Jewish practice of sacrifice in Numbers chapter 15, particularly describing what this drink offering entailed. When a person wanted to dedicate themselves to God, uh, to live for Him, to serve Him, to fully belong to Him, they would take a lamb, their own lamb that they, they had purchased or they had raised, and uh, they would uh, put the lamb up on the altar. And as the lamb was being sacrificed in the altar, they had a cup of wine. And they would pour out the wine next to the altar. And that represented giving oneself fully over to God. And every time, loved ones, how we apply this to our lives today, every time we serve the Lord, those who, as you try to serve the Lord, you know, in big ways and small ways. That encouraging word you gave to somebody who was discouraged or depressed. The, your word of testimony, that, that good deed done in Jesus' name, whether it's as simple as giving a pie to somebody, you know, to try to lift their day or just to be kind or, or something really big as to, as to uh, maybe, maybe giving them something, a, a large gift, or maybe even uh, telling them about Jesus, winning them to the Lord. That no matter what you're doing, whether, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class or whether it's a missions offering that you give to or some good deed, again, done in Jesus' name, every time you do that, you're pouring out a little bit of yourself. Just pouring out a little bit of yourself. Every time you serve Jesus, you're pouring out the dedication of yourself to Jesus, to the Lord. It's beautiful, isn't it? Until that final day comes... Like Paul's saying here. He said, I'm now being poured out completely. That final day comes for your last act of service for Jesus on this earth. And Paul was approaching that day. And that's when he said, now, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. It's interesting. We see that Paul, he's just so humbly here in the Greek. Uh, the word, the sentence doesn't bring, begin with I, but it starts this way. The grand fight, the grand fight have I fought. <laughs> Paul didn't put himself, he just, he just tried to put himself at the bottom of the rung as far as serving Christ and how I've lived for Christ. I, I need to be at the bottom. Uh, you know, the race I have finished, the faith I have kept. But what is this good fight? I just want to talk to you briefly about this, these, these three things. What is this good fight that we're supposed to be fighting as Christians, that you're supposed to be fighting as Christians, I'm supposed to be, be fighting as a Christian? You see, loved ones, there, there's a fight that every person has to enter upon becoming a Christian. When you become a Christian, things change. Your enemies change. The enemies of Jesus become your enemies as well. Your main enemy, of course, is that the evil one, the, the devil. He is after you in a different way than he's ever been before when you become a Christian. And you're up against him. You're up against his schemes and his, his, uh, his clever conniving. We have these three enemies. The enemy of our souls, the devil. There's also the love of the world, the Bible says, that we're tempted to follow the ways of this world. 
The world tempts us and woos us and tries us to become materialistic and tries to get us to uh, follow its ways, its system of worldliness. And we have to resist that and say, no, we're, we're going to follow the kingdom of God. We, we live by a different set of principles. We're, we're citizens of the king. So we have, to, we have to fight that. And then also, of course, there's that third enemy is that our self-will that wants to have things our way, do things our way, and, and not obey God's will, not do what he says, what he revealed to us in his word. So the good fighting means triumphing over every obstacle that stands between us and heaven. Paul goes on to say, I finished the race as well. And what Paul means there, he means finishing, he means finishing the race well. Not just finishing the race, but finishing it well. He tells Timothy in chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Timothy, run the race in such a way that you're not going to be disqualified, but receive the prize. In other words, you know, as a Christian, to run the race well, you know what you got to do? Don't cheat. Don't cheat. You say, how do I cheat as a Christian? Don't learn to pray. Don't learn to forgive. Don't learn to sacrifice. Don't learn to attend church. Don't learn to give to missions. Don't learn to witness. That's cheating. Becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ is serious business. When you become his disciple, loved ones, you decide, I'm going to learn the things that he wants me to learn. I'm going to learn what the Bible tells me to learn. I'm going to learn how to love him. I'm going to learn how to love his people. I'm going to learn how to worship him. I'm going to learn how to sing his praises. I'm going to learn all these things. I'm going to learn how, how, to, how to forgive others, how to love others, how to be forgiven. There's so many things to learn. Yeah, so many good things and hard things. Just to keep growing in the knowledge of Jesus. As we get older in the Lord, it seems like sometimes we just... The, the, the pizzazz and the, the joy of the Lord doesn't seem to be there like it used to be. It's because we're, no, we're not growing anymore. We're not learning. We've stopped reading the Bible with effectiveness. And we've, we've stopped listening to him. Because he's, oh, he always has something for us new to learn. Don't cheat. Paul also says, I've kept the faith. And I hope that you'll listen really closely here. Because this is so important. Today, so many people say they believe in God and they love Jesus, but their lives, their behavior show very little evidence that he lives in them and that, the, that he is really Lord of their life. They act the way they want to, to live instead of how Jesus teaches us to live. They practice sin openly in a way that God has clearly told us we must repent of. But the text here teaches us that the faith that Paul is talking about, loved ones, He's talking about the concrete, readable, understandable doctrines of Jesus. The commandments of God. That's the faith he's talking about. He said, I've kept the faith. I have learned how to obey God. I have learned what his commandments are. I've learned the, the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And I have followed them. I have learned what they are. I've kept them in my heart. And I've fleshed them out. I've lived them. I've kept the faith. Amen. Amen. That's what keeping the faith is all about. And Paul says, he says, hey, and because of this, these things in my life, he says, now I have this confidence that this wonderful crown of righteousness will be given to me by the righteous judge when, when, uh, when my life is evaluated on that great day of judgment that I won't be ashamed. This crown of righteousness. 
this wonderful crown of Jesus' righteousness given to us, given to every faithful disciple of Jesus on that day. Amen. So, how are you doing at the, at the fighting the good fight, the running the race, and the keeping the faith? You know, I hope that uh, you'll remain faithful to Jesus and, and continue to pour out your life for His and for His service. And Again, keep fighting that good fight, running the race, and, and holding on to the truth of God or keeping the faith. Maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. Might be some of you thought, what is that guy up there blabbering about? What's he yelling about? He's all excited about something up there. You know, wish he'd hurry up and finish so we could go eat. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but with this fight and this race and this faith talk, I, and I understand that because at one time I was where you are. Nearly 40 years ago, I, I read a statement from a Christian philosopher by the name of Francis Schaeffer who had examined all the worldviews that scholars hold today as to the meaning of life, all the way from Eastern mysticism to some of the secular humanism stuff we're seeing today in our culture. The very, this very intelligent man, Francis Schaeffer, he came to this conclusion about life. He said this, he said that Jesus Christ isn't the best answer to life. He's the only answer to life. He's not the best. He's not one of many. He actually, when you boil it all down, when you test it, when you test the philosophies and you, you test the worldviews, Jesus Christ is the only answer that fits the puzzle to our lives. How valid that true that is. The Bible, you know, the Bible can stand up, loved ones, to the most stringent uh, a scrutiny. Um, my friend Grant was wise. He, he, he would pose questions to me sometimes <laughs> that were tough questions. He, he was a thinker. He would, he would think about truth. He would think about deep things. Grant was wise to, uh, to look to God as his only hope. You know, we all have questions about life. The Bible provides us with those answers and questions we have about our life, all the way from how to have a marriage and a family to how to, how to take care of your finances. But Jesus, uh, you know, you can trust its reliability, the Bible's reliability. Um, it prophesied, for example, over 333 times in the Old Testament that Jesus was the person God would send to forgive us of our sins against our Creator. Jesus, he fulfilled accurately those, those prophecies. From where we would be born in Bethlehem to his death on the cross and his re resurrection and, and lots of other things. Jesus, loved ones, he is the centerpiece of, of human history. And nobody can deny it. We, we set our calendar by him. Everybody around the world. Around the world. No one can hold a candle to him. He fulfilled prophecy so accurately that, let me tell you, if he's not the Messiah, there ain't going to be one. <laughs> well, let me close here. God is so, has so clearly shown us there is an ultimate eternal purpose for your life. And that is for you and me to know God and to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The ultimate pursuit in life is to have communion with God, to have fellowship with Him, to hear Him, to be connected to Him. So you don't want to neglect Jesus because it's through Jesus that you make contact with God. Let me leave you with, with, with this thought. 
All of us have four basic questions that we need answers to in our lives. Every one of us have asked these, questions, these four questions one time in our life or other. I remember answering the, asking these things to myself when I was young. This first one, that particularly when I was a teenager, like, where did I come from? Basic question. Everybody thinks it. Where did I come from? And no, you, you, you feel like there's got to be more than just me being some sort of blob that came out of a slimy pit that they're telling me about, you know, millions of years ago. I feel like my life is, means more than that. That's because God's speaking to you that your life does mean more than that. And that, that question you have, where do I come from? He's, probing, he's, te- he's, he's, he's trying to get your attention, to get you to seek Him. The second thing we ask is, what gives my life meaning and significance? Everybody else is telling me what's important, or why, or why, I'm, not, or why I'm not important. <laughs> but what gives my life meaning and significance? And how do I know what's right and wrong? How do I know what's right and wrong? They, in Washington, they're telling me what's right and wrong. The media is telling me what's right and wrong. How do I know what's right and wrong? Yeah, the Bible has the answer for us, what's right and wrong. And, but then the last one is this. And we would think about that today, particularly probably. What happens when I die? What happens when I die? Loved ones, the Bible has the answer for all of those, and they're all located in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where did I come from? What gives my life meaning and significance? How do I know what's right and wrong? And what happens when I die? This Jesus that Grant pursued and endeavored to live for is the only true answerer to those questions in your life. I hope you'll pursue him. I hope you'll pursue him. I hope that, that the Lord is piquing your interest today to pursue him. And if, if you already know him, to pursue him even, even more greatly. Begin reading the Bible. You know, begin reading it. Begin attending a good Bible-believing church someplace. And if you've already begun to know Jesus, I, I want to encourage you to continue the journey growing and discovering the wonder of who he is until it's time for you also to truly go home. Jacob's going to come and sing a song that's going to bless us. My anchor holds.
as I face the raging seas, the anchor holds in spite of the storm.
Thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you for that. For as much as it hath pleased Almighty God in his wise providence to take out of the world the soul of Grant, we therefore commit his body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, looking for the resurrection and the life of the world to come for our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose second coming the corruptible bodies of those who rest in him shall be changed and shall be made like unto his glorious body, according to the mighty working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Amen. Amen. I want to remind you that everyone is welcome to join us for a meal. And we're going to have one more song. And the family is going to exit then. But let's have a closing prayer here just for the family. As, uh, and then we're going to hear this song. And then we'll go and eat, all right? Our Father, today we want to thank you for your faithfulness. You have been very real and very faithful, very wonderful, very present here today. We have sensed your presence. But we thank you for uh, Grant. We thank you for the blessing of knowing him. The, thank you for the, the memories that the family has, the many, many, many wonderful times. And I pray that they will, Lord, that they will be able to share those memories, uh, Lord, in the next few days especially. And I know it will just bring a sense of comfort and uh, a great blessing, uh, Lord, as they, as they talk about him. But we thank you for him. We thank you, too, again, for your, your faithfulness. We know you are good and a gracious God and that, and that all things are fine with Grant. Lord, I pray today for, uh, for Lynn. I pray for, for Vicki. Lord, I pray for Debbie. Lord, I pray for all the family. I pray for all the family who are close to Grant. I pray that, again, you'll bring them, bring them your help pray that your mercies and your goodness, your grace will abound to them and that the, the precious love of Jesus and the, the realness of Jesus will manifest itself to them in these days. We thank you, Lord, for the, the time of fellowship we're going to have. Thank you for the, the food. Thank you for the, the, the blessing of being together. We give you praise for being so generous to us. In your name we pray. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you see you again We've come a long way From where we began Oh, I'll tell you all about it When I see you again When I see you again Damn, who knew All the planes we flew Good things we've been through That I'll be standing right here Talking to you about another path I know we love to hit the but something told me that it wouldn't last Had to switch up, look at things different, see the bigger picture Those were the days, hard work forever pays Now I see you in a better place uh, How can we not talk about family when family's all that we got Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side And now you gon' be with me for the last
about you, my friend And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again I see you again We've come a long way yeah, we came a long way From where we began You know we started oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again Let me tell you When I see you Oh 